Not today, Bubba. Go get him, Bubba. Love you. Not today, Bubba. Just Gordy, Gordy, can I bother you for a second? Well, Grace, I've been wheeling and dealing so long today in the studio that I forgot I have not even ate. But that's okay. Why is that okay? Because the Brindley Dumb Show is presented to you by Postmates. For a limited time, Postmates has given our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days using promo code BROBIBLE. $100 of free delivery credit with Postmates. Download that app now. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. All right, folks, coming to you live here. You know the drill. It's the Brilliantly Dumb Show. Coming to you early, coming to you often. Episode 76, I'm Big Game Bob. That is Grace Ibrahim behind the glass on the ones and twos. Ladies and gentlemen, we have ourselves an interview day today. Ethan Supley. For those of you who don't know Ethan Supley, you probably do. You just don't know that you know Ethan Supley. Ethan Supley played Louis Lastic in Remember the Titans. Ethan Supley played Tuna in Blow with Johnny Depp. He's been in Wolf of Wall Street. He's been in Boy Meets World. He runs a podcast under Kevin Connolly's company called Action Park Media. Um, and it's a very successful podcast. It has a lot to do with health and fitness. Ethan Supley used to be a very big, just an obese man. He really was. And he always played big guy roles um, and, and definitely was a very heavy set fella and made an incredible, incredible transformation. Just one for the ages. It really was. And, um, it's pretty interesting stuff. It really is. He's an interesting guy. He's seen a lot. Again, he's been on sets with Denzel Washington, Johnny Depp, Leonardo DiCaprio. He's seen it all. Um, I was leaving Kevin Connolly's studio when I finished recording with Entourage the other day, and I walked out, and he lost so much weight that I was always a big fan of him. But as I'm walking out, I, I, I looked at him and I said, man, that guy looks so familiar. But I couldn't put my finger on it again because he looks pretty much like a whole different person. Um, and I'd say 10 minutes later, I got a call from somebody who works for, for Kevin Connolly. And she said, um, Ethan Supley is actually a big fan of yours and, and recognized that, you know, when you went outside uh, that you were here, he would love to come on the show. I said, hold on, hold on. That was Ethan Supley, and to, to, to top it off on top of that, he's a fan of me. He's a fan of mine, so it just was really cool. It, it really was. It was a bizarre moment, A, figuring out that that was him, and, and B, finding out he's a fan. I went to follow him on Instagram. He's been riding the Burnley Dumb train. We bring him on here. I'm going to take you to the episode with him now. Very interesting character. Go check out his podcast, American Glutton. Folks, enjoy the show here. Here we are, folks. The Burnley Dumb Show sitting here with Ethan Supley. Um, Ethan, in, in all honesty, you might be one of the only guys that made a Wikipedia editor tired when he's putting in the amount of movies and shows you've done. It's a lot of movies. The, I mean, this Wikipedia, it, it's fa is an American film and television actor best known for his roles as Seth Ryan in American History X, Louis Lastic in Remember the Titans, Frankie in Boy Meets World, Randy Hickey in My Name is Earl, Toby in The Wolf of Wall Street, 
Elwood and without a paddle. You'd think eventually they would stop. And just go, that's enough, they got it. They yeah. figured it out. So, yeah. did, did they do Boy Meets World? That's a that's a Boy Meets one. World on that they just kept it rolling. You would think okay, eventually good. they would start, They're you know, process like, of elimination. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm looking at this. You've been a workhorse since what, ninety three? And you've been in some of the some of these movies are arguably to me blow and remember the Titans. I don't think it's crazy to have that on top five all time. I mean, top five all time. I'm, I got you're no saying, issue. You're saying right along with Lawrence of Arabia and The Godfather Part Two is 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 blow. I'm I don't saying know from that. a kid who was born in '93. Okay. I don't. I don't think it's crazy if somebody makes that argument. I'm okay with that. That's fair. Yeah. You maybe haven't seen Lawrence of Arabia haven't. in the theaters. Okay, then that's fair. Well, even Connolly will throw some movies at me that I have no idea. I mean, I had never heard them. Right. So, you know, I from my era, I'm okay putting those two top five. Okay, that's fair. Do you fair. ever sleep? No, not much. I don't sleep a lot. I have four kids, though. Um, do you do we go? Do you go by Robbie or Bob? Robbie, but you could call me Bob. Okay. I mean, you could throw anything at me. Because, no, because I knew you, I came to know you as Robbie, but then I heard you refer to yourself as Bob a number of times, and I got thrown off, because, you know, identity is very important nowadays. There's a lot of things Bobby that Bobby goes with that I can just let it fly, so Bobby's good just kind of on the fly. Yeah, so it's almost like uh, alternate personalities, like yeah. switching gears. In a way, I in like a way. It. Bobby will come out a lot of times on the Instagram. Yeah. But, I mean, you could go Bob, you could go Rob, whatever you want to play. Okay, good. Now, I want to talk about that because I'm leaving the studio the other day. Okay? Yeah. We had just recorded with the Entourage crew, and I'm walking out. And now I have heard of this transformation of you with this weight loss. I walk by you. I see the face. I recognize the face. But it's such a transition that you have made that I, I didn't even put two and two together that it was you. I, I, what finally clicked for you as far as for this whole weight loss? I, I mean, it's insane. It's insane. I want to just say all, I, too, had a similar reaction seeing you. We come in here. You don't typically record here. I'd never seen you here before. We're in the studio that I record all my episodes in, and I said to Narod, the studio manager, I was like, what's Brilliantly Dumb doing here? That's amazing to me. And she was like, he's our friend. He comes in here a lot. And I was like, I love that guy. So thank you. I knew exactly who you were when I saw you. You didn't know who I was, but that's, <laughs> I'm, that's completely fair. I've only been in 70 movies. <laughs> no big deal. Wikipedia says so right yeah, here. That's right. Um, you know, I... I didn't uh, I didn't care. It's not like I woke up one day and I said I want to be healthy or anything like that. It was really about a girl who, who I I got a kind of embarrassed on a flight with another actor and I felt a little bit weird and I was seeing and this girl wasn't on the flight with me and and I, I was seeing this girl and there was a lot of stuff she wanted to do in life that I you know, it, back then, if you told me, like, you want to spend the day walking around a museum, I say, have fun. I'm not I'm not up for that. That's not something I do. I get in a car. I go to a nightclub. I sit in a bar. I, you know, I, I do a lot of sitting. I'm a professional sitter. And for money, I'll walk very short places from, like, you walk through the door. You say your lines. They say cut. You're done. It's not a lot of heavy lifting in that way. So this girl I'm seeing who I actually really care about. This is back 20 years ago. 
or a little more. And uh, she liked to do active stuff. She liked to spend the day walking on hiking trails and going to museums and, and spending the day on the beach, which was pretty awkward for me too. And it was more just an idea of like, I don't want to be embarrassed again. I also want to have a fun life with her like that life the shit she wants to do do we say shit do yeah we, oh okay. yeah let it rip okay let good. it rip do, do, all that stuff feels like a funner life than i'm leading right now so it was really an urge to improve myself to enjoy life with her and it worked out and and along the in the last 20 years of, of working on this i've 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 definitely gone up and down i've had struggles i've had setbacks i've had I, I was cycling a lot bicycle riding um i've had severe crashes um you know so but was it hard for you to enjoy the success you were having in your career with the weight was it bothering you so much that you couldn't even take in the success that you were having at the time i you know that that's a that's an interesting thing too because i feel like at some point as a as a really overweight person i had shields that would deflect from the fact that i'm so overweight and some of them were success as an actor is a shield so you look at me and you're not just seeing how fat i am you're seeing here's an actor we saw in a movie which kind of is a distraction i also had a lot of famous friends that were also distractions so you look at this group of faces and people will gravitate towards the most famous one. That's never been me. Do you, do you know what I mean? Right. So I had these, it was, most of my life was built up to avoid dealing with the fact that I was pretty miserable. I, I had uh, substance abuse problems. I had eating disorders. I was a very unhappy person generally, and um, and and I just had ways. You know, I think a lot of you can kind of relate to the idea that like overweight people can be the class clown. I think of that as like another shield. It's a deflection. Right. Like I'm gonna make you laugh, so you don't have. Like I'm gonna poke fun at myself first, and you're gonna laugh, and therefore you won't poke fun at me. That kind of thing. But on another spectrum, is it safe to say that you wouldn't have got some of the the roles that you have got if you didn't have, for example, Louis Elastic, remember the Titans? Yeah. At the same time, is it safe to say you wouldn't got a lot of these roles if you didn't have it? So maybe I'm looking at the glass half full here, but is that another way to look at it? 100%. I was definitely, for a period of time in the late 90s, like the go-to fat guy, for sure. Um, you know... Chris Farley had passed away, but he was also like a huge movie star. I was never right. a huge movie star, but I was consistently in these kind of renowned movies and always because I was the big guy, you know, um, I definitely wouldn't have gotten some of those parts. Now, there's a there's a great argument for the fact that the real Louis Elastic was overweight, but never as big as I was. I mean, I was morbidly obese. Louis Elastic, you know, you think about like an overweight football player in high school. We're talking about 20, 30 pounds. Right. Right. And and that's reasonable to, to play football with 20, 40 pounds of excess fat. That's fine. People do that all the time. But when you're talking about 150 plus pounds of excess fat, 
there's nobody playing football at that size ever. Right. And so I think movies like Remember the Titans, they needed an overweight guy, and I somehow squeaked in, though I could have been 100 pounds lighter than I was, and it actually would have been better. And they still would have had taken it. Probably. Gotcha. Yeah, I think so. I, I look at Remember the Titans, and I, I, I mean... I feel that it's a great movie because I've been told it's a great movie. I've not Phenomenal. watched it, but when I've seen pictures of myself in it, I I, I wish I I wish at that point I had been a hundred pounds lighter. You but know? can you look at it and can you watch Remember the Titans and realize how far that you've come? Can you appreciate it for the for the job that it was and that it's on the same spectrum? Say, wow, look how far that I've come. Yes, that for sure. I can I can I can appreciate the the progress I've made from that. Right. I, it is hard for me to... I've never enjoyed watching myself act, so I don't tend to watch things, but I am confronted with images quite often, and I can certainly go like, fuck, I, 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 I hadn't thought about that in a while, but I remember what it was like being that size, and thank God I'm not as uncomfortable today as I was then. You know, I wanted to talk, and while we're on the subject of Remember the Titans, I wanted to ask you, is it crazy to realize now so more than ever how relevant that movie is? That was 2000 when that came out. Is it crazy now to look back on it and see how relevant that, that movie still is? Yeah, it's it's really wild. Um, you know, these things... These things are very tricky. It's so relevant now, as American History X is another movie with a very strong anti-racist commentary. Um, and they're both very relevant today. I, I almost wish they had been more relevant when they were made, you know? But maybe people watch them again now and go like, oh, I hadn't thought about that, or I hadn't thought about that aspect, you know? Right. What what's it like showing up every single day? Is there is everybody kind of on their A game? You've worked with a lot of top people, Denzel Washington, Johnny Depp. Is any is everybody kind of on their A game when they show up to a set rather than other sets that that you have done when one of these guys are here? Is it a different vibe? Uh, yeah. Um, remember the Titans was interesting because I did done three movies with Denzel. Right. John um, Q. John Q. and Unstoppable. Right. Um, remember the Titans, there was Denzel, and the majority of the people in it were younger kids my age. T like, tw I was maybe 20 at the time, right? right? 19 or 20. Young Ryan Gosling Young in there, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ryan Hurst, Wood Harris, like, really great young actors. And so there was for sure, and we, and when it was, uh, there was also like the dynamic of we're the team and they're the coaching staff. So it was kind of, it was certainly a little bit more lax when they weren't in scenes or we had scenes without them. Like goofing off in the locker room was a, a little bit more of a like, let's get silly and tell jokes and crack jokes. Right. And if it's a scene with Denzel, it's a little bit of like a, more serious where he comes in mind our p's and q's right you know this is like a legendary dude i'm a young kid this is my second or third movie you know fucking see that guy crying glory like that totally. guy's an, an, he's a legend so totally. 
we're going to do this all right. Who was one of the guys that you were, out of all the guys that you worked with, that you were most blown away with, whether they were just so prepared or just their level of skill? Was it a Johnny Depp? Is it a Denzel? Somebody that just really blew you away. This is a... I I feel like I told this story before he got very famous. Ryan Gosling, when we were doing uh, rehearsals, you know, the director's this guy named Boaz, and he would we would meet in his hotel room, and we would all sit around, all the football guys, all the young guys, and uh, we would talk about stuff and the dynamics of the scene and the tension that he wanted and what he was looking for, and then we would even break it down into individual characters and stuff, and everything was pretty straightforward, and then you got to Ryan, and he would start talking about stuff where, where Boaz would be like, hold on, what... No, that's going to be a distraction. And Ryan would go like, no, no, I, pr I promise it's not. And if it is, you can tell me and I won't do it. But he had these ideas and, and he did stuff that became layered within. It was a very small role that could have gotten lost. And it, and it wasn't. He's actually, he, he absolutely shines in the movie because he was making choices that were just for himself, you know what I mean, in a creative way. Right. So I, I was really impressed by him willing to make these choices and that, that had nothing to do with, like, the, the tone of the scene that also weren't distracting at all, that fit utterly. He gave himself a storyline that wasn't in the script at all. You know, you know what's amazing? He he. It's you say it, and it's so true. He did have a. It was kind of like a small character, but you remember him totally. Like he he really kind of found his way in there. Yeah, he he did it in a way that was incredibly impressive. And I've done other ensemble things, and there can be like kind of shoving for camera time and like making sure you're, he wasn't anything like that. Not at it all. was all character. It was all what his motivations were in the scene and 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 it's i i remember watching some of the scenes with him and just going like oh my god he's destroying all of us this kid with his fucking creative choices and then sure enough of course he becomes this huge movie star um which is well-deserved. He's awesome. When you're on these sets, are there certain times when you're on the set, and you've been on tons, shows, movies, where you say to yourself and you know, this is going to be a hit, this is going to be good, or is it just you really never know how something's going to be? There have been times, certainly while doing something, where you show up and, and it's a little bit... Um, you never really know. I didn't know. I mean, look, it was De Denzel Washington's the lead of our movie. I knew they don't really make Den just bad Denzel Washington right. movies. They're good. The movie's going to be good. People are going to see it. I had doing Mallrats, which is only a few years before that, I just assumed, like, you make a movie and you're, like, a movie star. Now you've entered this market of being a movie actor and you don't have to do TV anymore. Now you're a movie guy. Right. Not really true. I mean, strangely for me, it was like I, I had done Boy Meets World and then I did Mallrats. And then for a number of years, I did only do movies, but it was still sc uh, sc a scrap. You right. know, it was still like 
um, in the trenches trying to get work. It wasn't like, oh, you were in a movie, now you're a movie guy. Although I say that and now I think back, there was 10 years of just doing movies after that. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the idea, like the... I think you can be a guy like Ryan Gosling and do something so perfectly in a movie, and I don't think it comes from this necessarily. It was probably the movie or two he did subsequently to Remember the Titans, but where you're doing something that's just at another level of creativity and people recognize that, and then there's like a clamoring to get you in the movie. You know what I mean? And it was that noticeable on set that he had it. I remember talking to him and t hearing about some of his choices and they were just a, a layer of, like, I, I was a young kid, I was 20 years old, I'm reading the thing and it's like, uh, I want to go to college, that's my motivation, so okay, what's my motivation, I want to go to college, that's it, that's, that's what I'm playing, he was playing like the dream he had the night before and do you know what I mean? It was just I, I, on another level. That's not literal. I'm not saying he was literally playing that, but it was another level. It was like, what do I have going on for myself right now? If I'm going to break down this scene, if I'm going to pretend like we're shooting a movie right now, you're interviewing me. Now, it can go that base, and I can just go like, I'm a guy sitting in a studio being interviewed, period, done. Or it can go like into, what did I have for breakfast? And was my kid mad at me last night because we tried to work on her math homework and she got frustrated and I wasn't super nice and, and, and I lost my temper with her a little bit and I, you know, and, and then my dog shit on my rug. Like, <laughs> you know what right. I mean? How would that affect me today? Cause it could. And do I have a secret and not necessarily a secret from you, a secret from the world. And how would that play into my motivation and all of these things he was doing shit like that, and I'm like, we're high school kids. We're playing football. The, it's about, you know, the black kids not being welcomed, and, and we want to welcome them, and it's about integration, and that's it. That's what we're doing. That's where I was, and he was at, like, no, I'm playing a character that has a whole story and a whole life that I'm going to be existing in that people are going to pick up on even if they don't have no idea w what's motivating it. Do you know what I mean? You know, it's amazing, too, because and with you guys saying that you were so young, you know, at the time, too, and it sounds like he was looking at things from such a mature, you know, perspective. Kids who are that young or, you know, child actors, do you almost feel like they wish they had some time to mature and grow in, in real life scenarios to learn that type of stuff so then they could take that to their acting? Yeah, because some of these kids they get thrown in so early, and your life's not, you don't have a normal life. Yeah, do you think that affects it? Hundred percent, totally. I think it does. I, you, I, you kind of always feel a little bit bad for kid actors, um, because it is a, it's like being a carnival worker. So uh, dinner time, Rob. What are you thinking? Al, I, I actually think I'm gonna go with my fourth dish of chicken parm this week. Europe, Europe. Chicken parmaholic, bro. Can't stop. Yeah. And I can get it anytime I want, anytime I need it. You can. You know how? No, tell me. Using the Postmates app. Oh, I love it. From an early morning breakfast burrito to a bottle of wine after work, maybe that bottle of wine turns into three bottles of wine, Alex. You could Postmate some Advil, too. They do it all over at Postmates. 
For a limited time only, Postmates has given our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use code BROBIBLE. That's code BROBIBLE for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Alex, that's a lot of fucking bottles of wine. Right and there. chicken parm. And chicken parms. A little bit, a little bit of both. Anything you need. Anytime you need it, post made it. You know, and it's, I think it's a terrible life for a kid. Um, I I will say I took the the I I learned from him, and then would start to do stuff like that later on. On uh, on my name is Earl. I remember, and this is a direct like. How do I? I learned basically this from Ryan Gosling, but it was. Um, Randy Hickey. Let me let me make this a real guy. What are Randy Hickey's obsessions? He's obsessed with aliens. So Randy Hickey's now obsessed with aliens. Um, and what are some other things? Oh, he has a deviated septum, so he can't breathe through his nose. So he's always breathing through his mouth. So just little things like that. If there was ever a scene where I'm outside in My Name is Earl, I'm always looking up because I'm looking for aliens. Right. That's it. It's never explained in the show. Not one time is it referenced. It had nothing to do with it, but it's like filling the character out in those ways. And I don't know, maybe like the best kid actors are coming in with instincts like that. But I think for the most part, people are coming in and going like, what's written here? What is the scene about? What's the motivation? What's my motivation in the scene? Boom, I'm going to do that. But you can add weird, interesting flavors that we all have from being human beings and living in life. You got to recognize them. You got to look for them. Where, where do my proclivities lead me, and, and right. where do my interests lead me, and and how do I act and react that's different from another person, and why is that? And so now, if I can choose things that aren't necessarily true for me, or not true for me at all, but create this character that has some of these things too, it becomes better. It's more interesting. Would you say that Boy Meets World is what broke you out? For sure. No doubt about it? No doubt about it. And that got you into the game? Yeah. I mean, that was the first job I had, and I wound up doing that for a couple of years. Yes. And it was like real work, and I, I really learned to act on Boy Meets World. Now, it's a completely different version of acting than in a movie because— That's what I was going to throw you away. It's multiple cameras— there's a timing to sitcoms that's different from the way you would necessarily talk in real life or in a movie. Um, but just the idea of like where your eye lines are. So if the camera's shooting you from here, if the camera's over this shoulder, over your uh, right shoulder, I got to look at your right eye because I want my, my eyes to not be like it makes a huge difference if i'm looking at your left eye to the camera it could look like i'm looking all the way you know what i mean right so little things like that i learned doing boy meets world you know where how to hit a mark you know they fucking you don't see this in a movie but the floor of anywhere that they're shooting has tape all over it in different colors and each actor has their own color and you got to walk in and stand at that line because somebody's taken a measurement of the distance and they've focused the camera exactly 
for you to stand right there. So even just a scene where you have two people walk into a room and have a conversation, there are very specific places they have to go. So much more that goes into it, too. Yeah, and all of that stuff, I had no idea that existed at all. I, I went on an audition for to play a bully, and like w- was my second audition I'd ever been on, and the next day I was getting wardrobe fitting. I, I had no I was a teenager. I didn't know what the hell was going on. And so I really, and a lot of people watched that show. Tons. Yeah. Tons. What What would you say is the most memorable set that you've been on, whether movie or TV show, when you think back to your career? What What were some of the best moments you think you've had? My, my favorite job has been a television show I did called Chance. Okay. That was on Hulu. We did it for a couple of years. Me and Hugh Laurie, and I'd play a total badass. And it was so fun because I'm like a super intelligent badass. And I'd only played like kind of dim-witted, mostly. I, I actually did a movie with Darren Aronofsky called The Fountain where I played a lab technician. And I, I, I had to know how brain surgeries worked. So I w- went and watched people do brain surgeries, which is fun kind of learning what you're doing. Um, so I haven't only played dim-witted people, but more often than not, I'm playing like a, a sweet kind of not bright person. So in this TV show Chance, I'm I'm playing like a really intelligent, philosophical, badass dude who fights with knives and shoots guns and stuff. That was so fun. See, that's interesting because now that you have this whole transformation and now that you're as ripped as you are, would you want to take on those type of roles now? Absolutely. Do you now seek those more so? I don't know if I seek them. Look, there's nobody seeking anything right now because the whole right. industry is closed. So there's no there's no opportunity to seek it. Um, when we get back to work, yes, I would pref- I would probably try to seek out work of that nature more um, than playing the dim, sweet, lovable guy. Right, which, you know, at least you'll be able to go back to and realize the different characters that you have gotten to play over the years. Yeah. Tell me outside of that, you got the podcast, podcast American Glutton, the podcast. What's that been like making the transformation? I said to you off air, did you know what podcasts were even before that? What the, what has that transition been like for you? Podcasts I knew about. I Yeah, we, I don't understand internet culture and internet subculture very well. And I have uh, kids who, some of them are younger, so, I mean younger, the youngest is 13. But at 13, she sometimes says stuff, and I'm like, what does that mean? I don't understand. And she'll tell me, like, it's a TikTok saying. Or I it's a, love TikTok, it's yeah. It's a Snapchat thing, and yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that I can. You know what I mean? Like, I, I have trouble making an Instagram post, so that kind of stuff, I don't understand at all. But podcasts, I, I like and I listen to. Um Kevin Connolly, who started Action Park, uh, and I share a real affinity for podcasts. And so the idea of doing a podcast was super interesting to me. I was a little bit scared because, you know, uh, I think a a lot of Connolly and my conversations become political or philosophical and that's a universe where people really 
will not give you the space to have an idea if they consider it to be a bad idea. Right. A, a bad idea could be dangerous. And that, to me, is just not worth risking whatever my livelihood is because I had a bad idea once. Now, so a conversation that I'm willing to have privately with a friend, I wouldn't necessarily be willing to have publicly. Right. And um, and so for a while, me and Kevin were talking, and he was like making this studio and saying, "You got to do a podcast." And I was like, "What the fuck am I going to talk about? Like, I, what do you want me to get canceled tomorrow? Like, I don't want to do a podcast." But it almost you, you listen to your podcast. It's almost like it's a relief to to you to tell your story when you're getting yes. it out. It you can hear that you're enjoying doing it. Yes, I. When 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 we landed on health, because this is something that I I think about every day. Right. I think about multiple times a day. So when we finally landed on, oh, this is something I can talk about. It was a relief. It was a it was a total relief because nothing in my ideas about health are prescriptive. I don't believe anybody should be a certain way physically. I think people should be what they want to be physically. So I don't think there's anything dangerous about that. I would encourage people to uh, minimally attempt to achieve their physical goals. And then within that, I would try to find and talk to people who can assist in achieving physical goals. Do you know what I mean? Totally. So it, w it was a relief. It was truly a relief. It was discovering something that I'm passionate about, that I'm... I, I, however, I was a little nervous, too, because I was unwilling up until that point to really talk about it. In 2011 or 12, I had lost a bunch of weight. I was actually much thinner than I am now, much smaller, not super comfortable. And the few pictures that the press chose to use put of out. me that yeah the put out they they i would get followed by paparazzi and and they would they would frame it in like he doesn't look great look so does that make it worse though if you're if you're already worried about you know the way you were looking and you said you you struggled with drug problems earlier is it harder when you're under the spotlight when you have a tmz or somebody following you around does it heighten it that much more it really it really hurts Hurt, it hurt my feelings, but it also made me decide at that point, like, well, this is something I'm not going to talk about. This is something I'm going to pretend hasn't occurred. You know what I mean? Right. And so I'm then a guy who went from 540 pounds to 200 and under 220 pounds. It's insane. And I'm actually literally thin, but I would have like TMZ take pictures of me and then listen to the people on TMZ go, but he's still fat. Now at 220 pounds, I was around 12% body fat, which was way lower than most of the people commenting on it. I don't know what universe you could actually call me fat. You know, if somebody said I look fat right now, I'd go, yeah, maybe a little fat. I want to lose 5, 10 pounds. At 218, 216 pounds. I just pounds, told you you look like Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan doesn't have any body fat. Right. Him. And I, I, I mean, I'm uh, last checked, I was 13% body fat. 
and I'd like to I'd like to lose seven eight pounds of fat, you know, and get that number lower. Could you imagine a time? And whenever it was in early 1900, 1993, 1995, whatever, whatever it may have been, you know, when you were at your worst where you would be upset, not upset, but not satisfied with 13 percent body fat. I, well, I mean, let's be honest. In the 90s, I didn't know what body fat percentages were. I was I mean, I have no idea what my body fat percentage was back then. I would think it was like 50 percent body fat. I don't know. I don't know. I that kind of thing. Um, I, I, I was more like, uh, I'd like to not go to sleep with swollen ankles. I'd like to, you know what I mean? I'd like to, I'd like to not have to be as afraid that every chair I sit in is going to collapse. Those were the things that were literally my day to day concerns. Well, even here in your podcast, which is really interesting is that again, just like you said, some of those everyday concerns is something that you would not necessarily think about and you hear it. And it's really interesting to hear, Yeah, you know, and then making that to, to get it to where you are now, it's got to be very rewarding for you now. Yeah. I, I and I think that that's that's a good point because I think there are a lot of people who are as big as I was at my biggest. A lot of people, maybe not a lot of people, but th- there are people of that size. I would be willing to bet, and and maybe I'm wrong, but it wasn't a concern for me that on their day to day life, they're not necessarily going. I need, I want health. Health was completely irrelevant. I was not thinking, I mean, there were a few times where I was scared I was going to die, and that would last a short period, and then I wouldn't think about it anymore, you know, um, but ha- having to wear multiple t-shirts because I would sweat through them no matter what the weather was. If it's cold and raining, I'm going to sweat through my t-shirt, period, so I have to have an undershirt on at all time. That's something I would I wanted to get rid of. You know what I mean? Rash on my stomach because my stomach got so big that it started to hang over itself and it would uh, rub and get irritated. I, I didn't want that. Um, uh, flying anywhere and knowing that I don't even really fit in a first class seat and I have to have a seatbelt extension. I remember hearing you say like, that even about that. That this is these are the things that I'm. I was sick and tired of, you know what I mean? And now there's certainly a universe where I go like, well, I wish they had bigger airplane seats. By the way, I still wish they had bigger airplane seats today. I think we all do. Yeah. Know that about it. There's not a single person who gets into a normal airplane seat and goes, ah, this is it. This is good. You know, if I had to choose between the lazy boy and this, I'm choosing this every day. Yeah. That doesn't happen. But, like, I, I understand also, like, if you're if you're if you're servicing people the way a, an airplane does, and you go like, we gotta pack a bunch of people on here. How, what is the size that everybody fits in, or or that the majority fit in, or or the st- statistically people will fit in, or whatever that fucking whatever you figure out. Why make a bunch of bigger seats? It doesn't make sense, right? I get it. So if I'm the odd man man out i i'm sick of this because if they make a bigger seat i'm still gonna be exhausted by the time i walk through the airport to the bigger seat 
what are they supposed to do? Get me a conveyor belt to shoot me there? You know what right. I mean? Like there's, there's not going to be a point where I'm not feeling discomfort almost constantly that is within my grasp at changing. So I don't give a shit about health. Like now I do. I, I, but as far as like applying, selling somebody else on health, like you should be healthy because health is good. Fucking I don't give a shit. People play video games for a living today. Like, what the fuck does that guy need to be able to run a marathon for? Unless he wants to. It doesn't matter. If somebody asked you, if somebody came to you and they had a really big movie role for you, but they wanted you to go back to where you were a more heavy set guy, Louis Lastic type character, would you do it if it was a huge, huge role? Not that big. No. You, you couldn't? No, not that big. I mean, that's... that's uh, 250 pounds or more even you know that's like i'd have to double my body weight i almost feel like you're at such good spot mentally though that you could even get back there if if need be that now you kind of have it figured out to a way to where it's like you could if you really wanted to go there and then come back down i was fucking with my wife the other day and i said to her something like i can't wait to get offered a part where i gain weight i'm gonna be an expert at this right and she was like you will be an expert at wearing a fat suit. You know, that was her position. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think, like, yeah, I mean, if there was a role where it was, like, gain 30 pounds of fat, I fucking crushed that. In a heartbeat, no doubt about no it. No problem. Yeah. Even even if you go, like, 50 pounds, I could do that, no problem. But once you get into 100, 200, 250, 260, 70 pounds, I think that's going to be... It's just what, a total different ball game. Yeah, it's it's the listen. Part of me and um, losing weight and exercising. There's a there's a kind of a a search for discomfort for suffering that you look for. I'm gonna make myself uncomfortable. I'm gonna do this diet that makes me uncomfortable. I'm going to do an extra set that makes me uncomfortable. Like you have to enjoy that a little bit, but all those things that I lived through for 20 years or 25, 30 years of my life, not quite that long. I don't know from five to 26, 28, whatever I was, I had no fucking idea how old I was. Anyway, that period of my life, the discomfort was so constant and so severe that I don't know that I'd be willing to trade, you know, I mean, a billion dollars really isn't worth it to be that uncomfortable all the time. It's funny, though, because it's back to kind of what we said as far as it's kind of a double-edged sword to where you were doing so well in your career. I mean, you were coming in movies after movies, show, Boy Meets World and all that, but then at the same time, mentally, you don't feel up to par, so it's kind of hard to enjoy how good it was. Yeah. I don't think I did enjoy how good it was. I, I, I don't think I knew how to enjoy. I mean... It was a shield. It was a it was a, a barrier I could throw up in public of is that guy looking at me because I'm morbidly obese or is he looking at me because he recognizes me from a TV show? You know what I mean? I'm gonna I'm gonna just go with TV show. And now because I have this shield that's a potential shield most of the time, because I can't be totally sure why somebody's looking at me, it just it sets me a little bit more at ease. 
So rather than owning it and being like, God, check me out. I'm a fucking actor. I, I wanted to be an actor and I'm an actor. That's not a super easy thing to pull off totally. at all. It was just like a barrier between me existing in the world and as who I was and and kind of having this protection up of like, you know, somebody saying something that I would then have some moral quandary about having to confront them on or pretend I didn't hear it or, you know what I mean? Or I didn't catch the look, I got a blinder up, you know, that whole thing. What's next for Ethan Supley? You um, keep pumping out the podcast. You got American Glutton yeah. thriving right now thriving. on the charts. Do you keep pumping those out? Yeah. Enjoy. I mean, the, it's, you know, I, I, I want to say it's great because we can do this. We can have this conversation right now when, when a huge part of the world is shut down. That's, that's a silver lining. I don't want to sound smug like I have something to do while people are out of work. But I, I have been really thankful because... A little bit of the podcast, too, keeps me accountable, keeps me focused, keeps me centered. I'm on track with what I have to do. And, uh, yeah, I've been enjoying doing it. Folks, there you have it. Go check it out. American Glutton, the podcast. Ethan, I appreciate you, Thank brother. you. Thank you for having Thanks, me. Thanks, my man. Appreciate it. Not today, Bubba. Go get him, Bubba. Love you. Not today, Bubba. Gordy. Gordy. Can I bother you for a second?